make sure that we get everybody. And even if you're sitting in the place where you're like, man, I'd really like to go, Brian, but I don't have the $50, still let me know. And uh, we, I'm sure that we can find a way. And uh, we'll just trust God and believe Him. So that'll be this Friday and Saturday. And uh, while we're at it, I was thinking about that conference. Each week what we do is we pray for another church. So we, we recognize that Boomerang is not the only part of the body of Christ. We are a part, but not the only part. And so what we always want to do is just remember that we're not the only part. And let's pray for our other brothers and sisters, the other parts of the body. And so will you right now just agree with me and let's pray for Prospect and Pastor Stoney Benfield. Lord, we just thank you so much for Prospect Baptist. Lord, we just ask for your blessing to be on this conference that's going to be this weekend, Lord. Let your words be said. Let, let the speakers have utterance, Father. Let your, let your love flow through. Let your mercy shine through. And Lord, let the men that attend there move to new levels in you, Father. Lord, let them, let them see things that they may need to change. The wrong things, the sin. Let them see those things. And Lord, strengthen those men to be able to put those things down to put the flesh down and rise up in God. And Father, right now, we just pray for your blessing, not just on the conference, but on Prospect Baptist itself, Lord. Let your blessing flow through there. Lord, let the leadership have wisdom. Let them move in mercy and grace and strength of God. And Lord, we just ask that your blessing would be on Pastor Stoney and his family. Lord, we just lift them up. Let your the blood of Jesus protect them, anoint them, Hold them up, Lord. Let them be kept by you according to your word. Father, we thank you for him. We thank you for that part of the body that's a part of our body. And we praise you for him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's turn to Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 1 through 3. And we've been talking about being the light. Because whether or not you know it or not, if you're born again, if you're a Christian... You are supposed to be the light in this world. And when everybody else is like, I don't know what we're going to do, they should be able to look at you and find hope and find joy. Why? Because you are representing the hope and the joy, Jesus Christ, to them. And so everywhere you go, every decision you make should be the light. And if you're not experiencing that, let's say that you're going through life and you're like... Dude, Brian, I don't know about being the light. I need some light myself. If you're at that place, then I'm telling you that there's hope. Let me give you some light right now. You know, one time we did a message talking similar about being the light, and we had a candle. I had one candle, and we turned off all the lights, and I held up the one candle, and it was amazing how even in the dark room, that one candle did give some light, and after our eyes became adjusted, you could actually see the major features of the room. But then we took a group of candles and we put them together. We were talking about unity and fellowship. And when you would just get around one candle that had the light, we took like 50 or 100 candles and put them like this, and I had to keep it low. Uh, and that one candle, we lit the one candle, and because they were together and in unity, that one candle lit all the rest and the flame ended up being like here, and you could see everything. That's the way it's supposed to be. So whether or not you feel lit up with God or not, no matter where you feel, if you just get around people that are bringing the light, all of a sudden things in your life start to change. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever seen that? Man, if I just get around that person and the reality of their hope, the reality of their light, all of a sudden it made me feel better. That's the way Christians are supposed to be for the world all the time. Now, I would say that we probably haven't done a great job of it, but we have done pretty good. And so we need to get better, though. We need to do this more. Well, the first step is you realizing that as, the, as a believer in Christ, I need to be the light. It's my job. So let's look at this. This is a prophecy talking about you through Christ. It says, Isaiah 60, verse 1 through 3, Arise, shine, for your light has come. Now, the first thing right here that I want you to see is, this is a commandment. In, in other words, 
get off your bed of doom, despair, and agony on me, and let the Lord light you up. Let Him get in your heart and light you up. And that may mean that what you're doing and what you have to do, that may mean that you'll have to put down how you felt. You know, uh, yesterday, uh, I w- we had the leadership uh, conference, leadership training here yesterday morning, which went great. It was awesome. Uh, I was really tired because I, I stayed up late, finished putting some finishing touches on it. And so I thought I was just, you know, tired. But then by the time I went to lunch, I was like, this is more than tired. Something's not, something's wrong. Something's feeling off. So I got really, really nauseous, and, and I went home, and, you know, on Wednesday night, I just preached about uh, your, the prescription for whatever ails you, which was basically following an outline in Philippians chapter 4 that said, hey, if you've got something wrong, you put these things to work, and this is a prescription that God's given us to fix those things. So I go home, I'm tired, I'm not feeling good, I'm feeling nauseous, literally, I, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling like I don't want to throw up, you know, I'm just really, really feeling bad. My, my joints started aching, everything like that. So now, what I wanted to do was just go to sleep and nobody bother me, leave me alone, right? And so I, I went to sleep, I took a little bit of a nap, I woke up in a couple hours, I'm still feeling pretty junky, I mean, I'm feeling pretty bad. And so I'm thinking, oh my gracious, tomorrow's a big day. Uh, you know, Nicole doesn't know what my notes are, so even if I ask her or anybody else to preach, they wouldn't really know where, what direction I'm going. I need to be there, you know. I need to be, and I don't need to be there like, hey, y'all, what are you doing? <laughs> I need to be there like, like, I need to be the light. And so I, I said, and I said, you know what? And I talked about it on Wednesday that I needed to take my own prescription when I preach, which is true. A, a preacher needs to not just preach in theory, he actually needs to live it. You know, that should be a, that's a good idea. And um, so I was thinking, I need to take my own prescription. But I'm telling you, at that moment, I didn't feel like doing none of it. I didn't feel like even turning on my phone or picking up my Bible to get to the Scripture and read it. I didn't feel like doing those things. The first part of the Scripture is rejoice, Right? I didn't feel like rejoicing right then. I felt like I don't want to think right now. But when we're going to be obedient to God, the first thing we need to do is arise out of that place and decide I'm going to be obedient. Pride would say, he told me to do that, but I'm not going to do it because I don't feel good. And then that's the person who's not being moved by the Spirit of God, but they're being moved by their feelings. So, Humble humility says, you know what? He told me to do this, and I'm going to do it no matter what I feel like. And so in humility, I got my Bible, and I started reading and not feeling good still, and I started going through. Rejoice. Be gentle. Be thankful. Ask Him for these things. Be thankful. Praise Him. Praise Him was a big part of it. Praise Him. Think on good things. So within about five minutes of that, now I'm feeling really bad. Like I, I was seriously considering, you know, starting to let everybody know preparations for me not being here today. I'm, I was feeling, and I don't do that. It, I'm, I preach, you know, up here and get up here no matter really how I'm feeling. But I was already considering that because I was feeling that bad. And so I was sitting there. And uh, I just started praising him. I started doing what we were just talking about on Wednesday night. And I started feeling better. Started feeling better. Started feeling better. I put on some praise music. After I finished uh, taking the prescription, the, the continuing thing is praise and thankfulness. So I just continued. Every time my mind would think about how I felt nauseous or I felt my joints aching, I would just say, no, I thank you, Lord, because I know right now you're working in me. You're working in me. Well, I was, I'd already planned I was not going to eat a thing the rest of the day just because I felt that way. And so I went back to sleep just praising. I left the praise music running and everything. By the time I got up, it, it, was, uh, it was probably about three or four hours later, I got back up. Man, I was feeling, I was like, man, I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good. I felt better before I fell asleep. 
And then I woke up this morning, I'm like, I feel really good. This is awesome. Thank you, Lord, which I know his word is true. I know It's just the, the key for me in that moment was I had to arise. I had to get off of my feelings and then enter right back into health, just like that. It did not take long at all. That prescription, if you hadn't seen that, it's a good, it's a good message. It's online. You can go watch it. The prescription for what ails you. It's just simply a matter of putting the love of God into work. My whole point in saying that is, God's called us to be the light. And no matter where you're at, whether you feel lit up or not, no matter what you feel, our job is to be the light. Well, I don't feel like being the light, but your job is to be the light. And you know who said that was God, who's a pretty smart guy, you know, and he's like all-knowing and all-powerful and stuff like that. So no matter how you feel, I'm pretty sure if he said for us to be the light, then he will give you what you need to be the light. The question is, in your mind, have you made up, the, have you made up your mind to say, I'm going to do what he asked me to do? And if we haven't made up our mind to do that, either we were, did not know about it, or we were being in some form, some way prideful and saying, I know he told me to be light, but I, does he know everything that's going wrong? Yeah, he does. He's God. Come on. Did he know that when he, when he said this? Yeah, he did. He knew what would get you out of your mess. It was simply to be humble and obedient to him. You start being humble and obedient to him, and he can do all kinds of things in your life. All kinds of things. The question is, are you going to make the decision to be what he's called you to be? Are you going to make the decision, you know what, I need to be the light. Well, what if you don't even know God? You don't have any light right now. You can. You can have a joy and a peace that will set you free from everything. You can walk through problems and stuff and have the joy, the peace, and the strength of God and people be looking at you going, how in the world did they do that? And they'll, they might fuss on the outset. They might be fussing. I don't know how he's, why he's so happy in the middle of all that stuff. That just don't even make sense. And, but inside they're going, I wish I had that. Why? Because the light's contagious. And when we make up our mind as Christians to be the light, all of a sudden something happens inside of us. We start reflecting Jesus. And you know what happens? Not only do other people have it, but it blesses our lives in so many ways. It's unbelievable almost. It is so awesome how great it can be. You'll come to the place where you say, I never even thought that was possible, and yet now I'm living it. It's an awesome, awesome thing. So he says, Arise, shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness will cover the peoples. But the Lord will, you hear that promise to you? The Lord will rise upon you. So you have to trust him that he'll do that as soon as I make up my mind to accept him. Lord, I know no matter how I feel, if I'll accept you, you'll rise on me. And as soon as you make up your mind, I don't feel like the light, but Lord, I accept you. You, know, you should know that the dawn started breaking on your life right at that moment. The Lord will rise upon you, and His glory will appear upon you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of His, of your rising. Matthew 5.14 says this, You are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. You're the light. You're the light. Now could you be the light without Christ? No, but once you've accepted Christ, he said, I'm the generator of this light, I'm the true light, I'm the real light, but now I have made you the light in this world. And you need to recognize that and realize that and accept that, that you are the body of Christ in this earth. You are the light of the world. He's saying, and even if you're not the light right now, you can be. You can be the light in this world. All it is is simply accepting Christ inside of you, accepting his ways, accepting his way of thinking. You are the light. He says in verse 16, 
Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Our lives should shine the light so much and so powerful that people look at our lives and go, my goodness, praise God for what you're doing in their life. Praise God for that light and that hope that they just let me feel just by living the way that they're living. Praise God. Their, their lives should glorify God based off of how you're living and how you're allowing the light of Christ to shine through you. You are the light. My goal in this series was to help you see very clearly that you should and can be the light everywhere. All the time. Be the light. Today we're talking about turning up the light. And really, here's the whole message. If you want to turn the light of God up in you, make good decisions. There we go. We're done. All right, good. That's it. So, and some people are like, really? Praise God. He's done. And then other people are like, wait a minute. (laughs) Ha ha. That's not all I'm going to say there. But that's it. You want to know the simplicity of it? Make good decisions. Make good decisions. I mean, what is sin but simply bad decisions? What is turning up the light? Making good decisions. Godly decisions. You've got to, you know, when the Lord tells us to have a, a godly mindset, what He's saying is, look, you need to know me well enough that you start making good decisions. You need to have it figured out. You have a mind set on God. In other words, if you get thrown this situation, you already know what's going to happen because your mind is set on godliness. We need a mindset on God. we got to get to know Him. We need to know who He is, what He wants, what He would say in this situation. And then we've already made up our mind that when we face that situation, this is how we'll... We, we will react. This is how it's going to, we're going to make this choice. You know, a lot of times, you know, I, can, I went through this when I was kind of struggling uh, in my younger adult days. You know, I would be trying to do things good and trying to do things right. And the problem was I didn't have a mind that was set on godliness. And so I'd find myself in a situation that was tempting me. And because my mind wasn't set, then I'd get in that situation and I'd be like, eh, eh, mm, yeah, I'll have that drink. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll you know, smoke that cigarette again. You know, I'll do this, I'll do that. And, you know, yeah, I'll do this or do that. And the, reason, the problem was I didn't have a mind that was set on God. But when we've already set our mind, a lot of times what happens is like, hey, do you want to go hang out with a bunch of people that are going to basically lead you away from God? Or do you not want to? Well, that sounds really fun to the flesh. But the only problem is, it's not God, and it's not helping me be the light. And I have a commandment to be the light. So at some point, I've got to say, you know, my mind's set already, I'm not going to be there. And then if I don't don't go there, I'm not even tempted by those things. But let's say that I do find myself, when I get to that place, if I do find myself in that situation, I get to that place, and here's the temptation coming up to do something ungodly in whatever way. When my mind is set on godliness, when they present the situation, the temptation, it's not even a question to me. I don't even see it as an option because my mind's set on God's ways. So turning up the light is as simply as just making good decisions, good godly decisions. A lot of times what happens, you know, people tell me, well, I just don't hear from God. Well, if you want to do that, if you want to start hearing from God, simply start telling Him yes. When he, when he asks you for something, say yes. And say it quickly. You know, the longer we have to think, oh, should I do this or that? Or, and you know it's God, but then you start trying to figure out how could I do this and all right, I'll, I'll do this today, but tomorrow I'm fasting. You know, I'll do this today, but I'm, I'm going to stop tomorrow. It's kind of like Nicole and I have been talking about eating good and not having sugar and stuff like that. It's always Monday. You know, we're going to start it on Monday, right? But today we're going to have this cake, you know, because it's good to our flesh. And you know why we're making those decisions and pushing it off, pushing it off? Because we don't have a mind set 
on not having cake or pie or anything else that's sweet because I like desserts. So we need to get a mindset on that. Well, it's the same way with temptation, same way with sin. We've got to have a mindset. See, in that situation, if we have a mindset, no. You know, because one of the things that we're looking at doing is like having one dessert a week. That's, you know, just trying to eat better and, and live a better life. And one dessert a week. Well, if my mind is set on that, then when I get offered dessert number two, I'm going to say no <laughs> for that week. Because my mindset is making good decisions. Same thing with sin. Same thing with any godly decision. You want to start turning up the light, hearing from God, simply start telling God yes. Simply start telling Him yes, your flesh no. God yes, flesh no. God yes, flesh no. God yes, world no. Jesus yes, sin no. It's really that simple. All right, good. Y'all got that. Let's go home. Nope, just kidding. <laughs> it's simply making good decisions. Here's, here's what we need to do. This is your first and best decision you can make right now is you need to have what we would call a reset relationship with God. You need to have a reset relationship with God. Let me explain what that means. We need a good reset with God. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 2 and verse 2. We'll read 2 through 5. Revelation 2 says, I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men. Now he's talking to the church here. And he says, I know this, that you, that I know your deeds, your toil. In other words, they're putting work in. I know your perseverance. You cannot tolerate evil men. And that you put to test those who call themselves apostles and they are not. And you found them to be false. In other words, they have some wisdom. All right? Because in order to test out an apostle, I mean, you've got to know some things about God. You've got to know some things about the Word. You've got to see some things. This is a pretty good church. Matter of fact, it's kind of like the picture of a good church. And let's carry on in verse 3. It says, And you have perseverance, and you have endured for my name's sake, and have not grown weary. That's a, this is a good church. Right? And then verse 4. It says this. It says, But, I have this against you. Now, this is Jesus speaking to the church. He says, I have this against you. You have left your first love. You've left it. Well, now, what does that mean? You've left your first love. So we did a whole series last year called Reset. It's online. I would highly encourage you to go watch that whole series because it will change your life. Because this is something that the Lord started putting on my heart last year that, you know, have you ever felt like, uh, it's kind of like this. Have you ever been riding down the road and you got a rattle in the car? And it's like, it doesn't have to be loud. It just is there. And it keeps, and it's like it grows louder and louder and louder. But then after a while, even if it's still wrong and you get used to the rattle or you get used to the little shake that it has, when you finally get it fixed, it's like, oh, this is awesome. Because you finally get that thing taken care of. This is the way, are, are we driving down this road of life in Christianity without the real relationship and fellowship with God that we're supposed to have? And does God want to fix a rattle in our ride of life called by, by having a reset fellowship? And I would say yes. I think what happens is we've gotten so used to what we call Christianity, we're actually driving a car called Christianity that's got a rattle. This is what Jesus is talking about. He says, look, you're doing all these good things, but I got something against you. And if you go on, let's look at verse 5. If you go on, it says, therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first or else. Now listen to this. This is an important thing he's saying. Or else I'm coming to you and I will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent, unless you change. Okay? So what it's saying, what Jesus is saying to them is this. Look, you're doing all these great things and that does not compare 
to losing your first love. And if you don't fix your first love, I'll have to remove you. Even though you're doing all these good things. So how important is that first love? It's huge. For a Christian, it is the most important thing. And what it's talking about is this. And what I'd like to remind you of is, you know, how was it when you met the love of your life when you first started dating? When you first started dating and, and you were going into this relationship, I, I know with me and Nicole, or let's fix my English, with Nicole and I, uh, we, when we first started dating, man, all of my thoughts all day long at work, at night, in the morning time, at noon time, all day, I was thinking about her. I was thinking about, when are we going to meet again? When are, what are we going to do? What, what do we have planned? What time does she get off work? What time do I get off work? How quickly can we come together as soon as that happens? All of my thoughts, all of my heart was towards her. And so, here's the thing. That was the first time that I fell in love with her. You think about it when you got born again with Christ. All of a sudden, man, you want to get in the Word. You want to, you want to start praying. Good gracious. You, want to, you, want to, you start thinking about God. You start loving on God. This is the first time, and God tells us that you're not even able to love until you accept Christ. He shows us that in 1 John 4. And so, the first time you even had the capability and the ability to love is when you accepted Christ. And so in that moment, all of a sudden, you, you became a completely new person. The old person washed away. A new creation took its place in you. God made you a new creation. You have now the ability to love in an agape kind of love like God does, that unconditional love. And right then was the first time you really loved. And the first thing, person, that you loved was God. And so what he's saying right here is you've walked away from that first love that you have. Maybe you say that I, you still love me. Maybe you say that you still go to church every Sunday. Maybe you say you, know, you claim to be a Christian, but you, you're not thinking about me. You're not, you're not esteeming me. You're not, you're not putting me first in your life. What comes first may be the job or the kids or the, you know, getting the toys or, or whatever in your life, but it's not Jesus. And he says, even though you're going and you're doing all these great, great things for the kingdom, if you don't come back to that place where you and I are in love together with one another again, and it's not me who's left, it's you. If you don't come back to that place, I will have to remove you. And a part of that is because if you're not in that place with Jesus, you're not going to be doing that stuff right anyway, and you're really just setting your own self up to fail and the people that you think you're helping. You've got to stay in a place where you're constantly in a, a fellowship that's reset to that first love again. Over and over and over again. So when we're turning up the light and we're going to do it the right way, the first thing that we need to do is step into a fellowship with God again where we turn it back to what it was originally meant to be and we live it in that way, a reset fellowship with God. Now, I could go into a lot of details about that because it's a great topic, but I'm not going to. We just need to know that we need this fellowship between us and Jesus to be as fresh and as, and as big as it can be through Him. And we need it to be there all the time. A reset sets us back to a continuous heavenly fellowship with our loving Father. And here's the question. If we're thinking about turning the light up in our lives, and we know that a fellowship with Jesus is going to help us turn the light up, why would we not want to turn the light up? Why would we not want to? What would cause us to get into a place where our habits actually turn the light back down? And it all comes back to hunger. You know, it all comes back to Jeremy Pearson said this, if you're not hungry, 
then that just means that you're already full on something else. In other words, we're eating in our life, the only thing is we're eating Facebook, we're eating you know, uh, images, we're eating uh, food, we're eating everything but a fellowship with Christ. And we're satisfied. Maybe we're eating a bank account that has enough money in it and that, that has become really our Lord in our life. If I can just get money in my account, I'll be settled. And we're full on comfort. And as long as we're comfortable, we don't need to seek God. We've got to get into the place, and we're talking about a reset fellowship that will turn up the light. We've got to get to this place where we stop being full on everything that the world has, and we need to establish these four mindsets in, in us that, Lord, I, number one, I need you. I need you. It, you see, a lot of times the reason why we're full is because we think we can live this life without him. If I can just go work enough, or I can meet the right spouse, or I can, if I have children, or if I have grandchildren, if I can just do this, I'm going to be okay. And so we don't really think we need Him, but what we don't realize is that every good and perfect gift comes from Him. So if you have anything in your life at all that is good, it's because of Him. You need Him. But we need to renew our mindset that says, Lord, I need you. I need you. We need, to, we need to get our hunger back up for Him. Lord, I need you. I cannot do this without you. In uh, Matthew 5, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, one of the scriptures, I love it, it says, um, blessed are the poor in spirit. Put that up, please, real quick. Matthew 5, I think it's like 5, 5, 5, 6. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And it says that they will receive... Tell me when. The kingdom of heaven. And what I love about this scripture is this, is because I, I after a while of going through the scriptures, I'm like, Lord, you don't really want us poor. I see in your word, you don't really want us poor. And, and I get that. I said, but what does this mean? And this is what he showed me. Basically, this means blessed are those who are like a beggar. Well, that just kind of confused me even more. But then he said, think about this. He said, who can the beggar or the poor in spirit, who or how can they feed themselves? They can't. In other words, what it's talking about in this person is, this person that's poor in spirit realizes they cannot do it without God. They're in this position on their knees saying, Lord, I can't do this by myself. I need you and he says when that happens the rule the kingdom the king's domain of heaven is released in their life the king's domain is released in their life well and as soon as i got revelation of that i said lord help me be poor in spirit help me realize i need you Number two, in order to move into reset, we need to get hungry for I need you. We also need to get hungry for I want you. I don't just need you. I don't just have a need for you. I desire you, Lord. I want you. You know, when Nicole and I were dating, I had a desire to be with her all the time. These are things that we need. You remember in Revelation it says, look, remember the deeds that you did before and change. Go back to those. So in other words, when we hit that first love, one of the things that we thought about is, I need you. I, I can't live my today without seeing you. I want you. I don't just need you. I want to be around you. I want to have you in my life. So I, we need to remember these things and go back to all of this is a process of turning up the light. Number three, and you understand that when I go after God and I seek Him with all my heart, He will be found by me. That's in Jeremiah. He will be found by me. When I seek Him with all my heart, when I go after Him with I need you, I want you, and my heart means it, then He will be found by me. And when He's found by me, guess what? That means I have Him. 
And so a part of being in that fellowship is not always, always thinking, one day I'll get you, Lord. One day you'll be a part of me. One day you'll be a part of my life. It's recognizing He's already promised, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And if you seek me, you will find me. So the third part is getting it inside of us where we have a mindset on, I need you, I want you, I have you. I have you. Oh, I'm telling you, when I was laying there not feeling good yesterday, and I still wasn't feeling 100%, but I was sitting in the middle, middle of that going, I know just as soon as I prayed, you are right there with me, working on me, helping me. I, and then I got so much peace out of this. I have you right now. Thank you. Because I know that. I know that to be true. And the number four mindset is, I thank you. Thank you. See, when you can say thank you in the middle of your circumstance, your circumstance can't stay there long. When you can say thank you in the middle of a problem with all your heart to God, that problem can't stay there long because what you've just done is given God more authority to be in your life than you've given the problem. Amen? So we need, I need you, I want you, I have you, I thank you. When you enter into this reset fellowship with God, one of the things, there's three things that happens. Number one is, when you start realizing that you have God, the presence of God shows up in your life. You know, we, Jody and I were just talking this week about how the presence of God has, has just entered her life recently and just in a way that's so, uh, you desired it. It was so awesome. And it's like, oh, praise God. You mean God's speaking to you. God's there with you. He's with you. He's not leaving you. He's not forsaking you. He's there with you. There's something that that presence done. How many people would like to know that God really was there the whole time? He was with you all the time. That, that day when your boss was chewing you out in, in your work and it wasn't even your fault, or, may, or maybe it was, but it, anyway, He was chewing you out. God was with you. He was there with you to lift you up, to give you strength, to let your light shine. That day when you got in the car accident and everything else was going wrong too, knowing that God was with you, He had His hands around you, He was protecting you, He's with you. There's something about the presence of God. Getting to the place where you and God can literally have conversations and talk back and forth. And He's your friend. He's not just a theory to you. He's a reality. This is a reset relationship. And I'm telling you, when you start entering into the presence of God, guess what happens? You know what happened to Moses when he entered into the presence of God? He started literally glowing like a light bulb. Literally. And he's Old Testament. We're in a new covenant, a better covenant, the Word tells us. And yet, we should be experiencing God like this all the time. The question is, do we have a rattle in our relationship we don't even realize? And the answer is probably yeah. Almost assuredly yes. God wants us to be shining for Him. And one way is having that in that fellowship is having the presence of God. Well, when you start having the presence of God in your life... What starts to happen? When you pray for something, are you concerned whether or not God heard you or not? When you start having the presence of God, you start realizing just how much He loves you. You're like, man, you love me enough to hang out with me? That's revelation for some people. Oh my gosh, He wants to hang out with me. That'll set you free. He does. He said when he sent Jesus, he would be Emmanuel, God with us. That meant he wanted to come and be a part of your life every day, all day. That's who he is. Well, when he starts hanging out with me and you start praying, first of all, you're going to stop praying prayers that really aren't God. And you're going to start praying prayers that are the will of God. Second, you're going to know that a loving Father is with you. And so what happens when you pray is you will see results. The first thing is you'll have the presence of God. Second thing is you'll start seeing prayers get answered. And I'm telling you, if you're hanging out with God and you start seeing your prayers get answered, how am I going to be able to really stop you from telling people about it? You'll start proclaiming God everywhere. How am I going to stop you? I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be able to stop you and neither will your negative co-worker or anybody else because you'll be so excited about the reality 
of a fellowship that's been reset with God, nobody will be able to stop you from telling about it. So when we get in that place and we are in that reset fellowship and we have the presence of God and prayers being answered and we start proclaiming God, guess what's going on in your life? The light of Jesus Christ starts to shine and burn in you and it, you can't do anything about it because it's going to happen. So a reset fellowship is huge. It's one of the good decisions we need to make. We need to just be quick to say yes to God. That same verse that we read before, Isaiah 60 verse 3 in the New Living says, All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. You will radiate with the love of God. With the light of God. You will radiate. You know, I, uh, if I can pick on Harley for a minute. He's, he's had a situation where he got laid off. He needed a job for a few months. And this week, the uh, Lord gave me a word, of course, on, on this week, which I shared, that they would be expecting good news. And that was for anybody who could receive it. He received it. The next day, he had an interview. The next day, he got a job. So then he goes and he puts on Facebook about the new job. And you should have seen the comments that, that followed that. Almost every single one of them was, Praise God! Hallelujah! And even if it was just a couple, people knew that he was giving God the glory for the good news and the good gift that he had just received. Simply by trusting God and receiving his fellowship in a new way, all of a sudden now your life starts to shine. That's shining for God. That's a little way to shine, but it's still shining. And there's somebody that probably read it that said, man, I need a job. I could use a job too. I wonder if Harley could tell me how to get one. Yes, he could. Yes, he could. Amen. 2015 is a year to be the light. It says in Psalm 65:11, "Lord, you crown the year with a bountiful harvest, even the hard pathways overflow with abundance." So no matter what you're going through, no matter what you've been through, God wants to take the hard ways of of the past, and he wants to turn them into an a bountiful, a bountiful harvest in your life. Let us shine this year and let the, let the harvest of God, the harvest of the kingdom of heaven, shine in your life and shine like you never have before. We talked about it in the first one. There's a time and we are right smack in the middle of it where deep darkness is coming over the earth. That's what Isaiah was talking about. And now is the time, like no other time, to shine bright. Instead of complaining about the darkness, simply use the darkness as a as a brilliant contrast between you and the light shining through you. Use it as the backdrop so that you stick out even more for God's glory. Be the light. Be the light. Everything you do either turns the light up or it turns it down. Every decision you make, just make good decisions. Tell God yes, tell the devil no. It's really that simple. And as you do that, and you're quick to do that, it just becomes easier and easier and easier. It's time to let our light shine. Turn it up. Be the light. And how we do that, we start making good decisions, and we start resetting with God. You know, as we reset, all that simply means is just to accept God's love again, fresh and new. And it's not something that you should just do flippantly, but it's something where you should really make your heart, you should check your heart and say, do I really mean this? Is this really what I want to do? Let me read you these scriptures. As we take communion, it's a time for us to reflect on what we're really doing. Are we really, do we really have a mindset on God? Or are we just playing a game? 
Is there a rattle that we know about that we need to let go and get out of our life? Is there a shake in our spiritual walk that we need to say, I'm done with this. Lord, I change, I turn, I repent. I put it away. In 1 Corinthians 11.23 it says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which He was betrayed took bread, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. In other words, what that's saying is, you proclaim that He died for me so that I can live. And what I'm proclaiming is that I have life in Him. And I have life. It started when He gave it, and it continues on till this day. I have hope and life in Him. And He did that for me. You're proclaiming what He did for you. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Well, that doesn't sound good. It's not something you want to do. I don't want to be unworthy. I want to do this right. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So our job is to examine ourselves. So let's just stand up right now as we finish up. And our job is, every time that we remember God and we take the Lord's Supper, our job is, the number one, remember what He did. In other words, Jesus paid a price for us to be able to partake of Him. He paid a price. We want to make sure that we don't take that price and just like throw it to the side. If somebody bought you, you know, a $100,000 necklace, Right? All diamonds and everything. That'd be, would you just take that necklace and throw it over in the corner or throw it in the trash or throw it out in the woods, in the mud? No, because it came with a very high price. And I'm telling you that the, the price that Jesus paid was higher than that necklace would ever think about being. That price is one that we should honor more than anything else. And we should remember him, remember the price that he paid. Because not only did he die, but he died from a position that says, I didn't have to do this. It wasn't required of me. I gave lovingly, unconditionally. I didn't have to remember mankind at all. Yet I desired at the heart of God to come down here and give you everything by living, then dying for you, and then raising you back up. So as we remember today, let's remember this. There was a body broken. There was blood shed. And it had a cost. And it was a high one. And so let's just right now for a second, Lord, we just thank you for the price that you paid for us. What we're saying, Lord, is thank you for this love. You didn't have to love us like you did. Matter of fact, we were in a bad place. We were sinners, we were enemies, and we could not help ourselves. And that's when you chose to die for us. That's when you paid the price. Lord, today we esteem and we honor the price that you paid. Amen. And Lord, now we say this, we don't just want to remember it, but we want to remember it correctly in this way. We want to make sure that our heart is right. And so before you take this, I just ask you, pray this prayer with me. Just pray with me, but mean it, not just, don't just be repeating me. Pray from your heart right here to God. He's your loving Father who wants to reset with you and have fellowship with you where He becomes so real and such a reality in your life. So He wants to hear your heart right here. And so just pray this with me. Just say, Father, thank you so much for your love. This day, I recognize the price that Jesus paid and I honor it by accepting the salvation that He brought me. 
Lord, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. I confess you as the director of my life. You make the calls. You make the decisions. And I believe that the Father brought you back to life from death and raised you up and seated you in heavenly places and according to your word you raised me up with you. So Father we thank you for your sacrifice and we receive you as Lord and Savior of my life today. And right now, I remember you and your price in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can take the body and the blood. I would encourage you to use that moment as one that says, from this point forward, I want to shine like you want me to shine, Lord. I'm From this point forward, right now, I am reset with you. I am in a reset fellowship. Lord, I want to hunger for you. I need you. I want you. I have you. And I thank you. I want to experience your presence. I want to experience your prayers. Prayers being answered. And Lord, I want to proclaim you everywhere that I go. I want to proclaim you. Jeff and Taryn, Sherman, Barrett. Let us shine the way that God wants us to shine. Jeff, if you'll pray us. I believe God dwells in the light. He is the light. Thank God for sunshine outside and warmth. Praise God. It's been... It's been a dark and gloomy winter, and I just praise God for light in all respects. We thank you, Lord. We thank you that you are the light of our lives, Lord. We just thank you that you've given us your truth, which shines so brightly in us. We just thank you for the examples you've given us. You gave us your son, first and foremost. We thank you, Lord, that we have a leadership and a pastorship of this church that's willing to step out outside of the darkness and live by that light and shine that light. Lord, we thank you that we have this place and this community and this family to come together. And Lord, that those that are shining brightly are igniting those that are not. Lord, and if there are those out there today that are not feeling ignited, we're here together as a family. We're here to have that light transfer from one to another that will all burn brightly. Lord, we just thank you for that. We just thank you for your truths that we've learned here today. We've been blessed by this message. We've been blessed by this series. Father, just help us go out into the world today feeling encouraged and lifted up and ignited so that we can shine out there in the world. We just give you thanks this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good week.